0: Having said that, we're continuing our look at restoring the church that Jesus started. We do not want to act as though we, you know, are the the lone ones out there who have the, the true all the true tr- truth regarding what the church is really supposed to be. Uh, we do know this, that the church has perhaps left over the last two millennia its some of its biblical moorings. We've drifted from the thing that Jesus started. And we want to have an honest look at the New Testament scripture to get back to what really is the church. And today, specifically, we are looking at Acts chapter 2. And there is no doubt the church involves power from on high by the Holy Spirit. And every single person is invited to participate in it. Not everybody has to be used the same way. It's not like if you're not casting out demons and working miracles, you're like a grade B Christian. But this vessel that you have, this earth suit that you're wearing, this flesh and bones, it's to be the temple of the living God. And that's a supernatural reality. And so we're going to look today at... The move, or the moving, or the motion of the Holy Spirit. A couple things I just want to say, that we're going to touch on today is, one, is that the Spirit moves, I hope that makes sense, the Spirit moves, the Spirit is alive, the Spirit moves so that we encounter heaven, so that we move, so that others encounter heaven. It's one thing we want to look at today from Acts chapter 2. We're also going to look at, theologically from this chapter, what is the moving of the Spirit. We're going to look at what happens in the move of the Spirit. And we're going to touch on how do we participate in the move of the Spirit. So, if you are reading in the Scripture and have the opportunity to change what translation you're reading from, I'm going to be reading from the New King James uh, so I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we'll touch on those things. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When Let's honor the word of God. In fact, let's pray right now and just ask God to move right now and ask him to speak to us as we look at his word. So, Lord, we do thank you that we're not talking about you. You are here according to your own promise. We're not just having a meeting about some distant God. You are here. And, and, and Lord, we, as we turn and look at your word, Lord, we want to honor your word and esteem it above all other input in our lives and, and to our souls and to our thinking. Lord, we ask you to speak from this chapter that you breathed by your Holy Spirit, this testimony that actually did happen 2,000 years ago. We ask you to speak to and encourage us and to open up our eyes to see revelatory truth that we would walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 um under heaven and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language and then they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another look are not all these who speak Galileans and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and uh, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That means 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Mind you, I just don't want to get in the way of the word of God here, but let me just point out, we touched on all genders, all both genders, on all ages, on all economic levels, all cultures, all races, everybody shall be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the ability to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Verse eighteen, verse 19, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the predetermined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad moreover my flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Hades nor will you allow your holy one to seek corruption you have made known to me the ways of life you will make make me full of joy in your presence men and brothers let me speak to you freely of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. The rushing mighty wind that we heard of earlier. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he, himself, he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ and now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brothers what shall we do and then Peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You're seeing the birth of the church, my friends. And then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any one had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, I want to go back to where we started here with this idea, is that the Spirit moves. Correct me if I'm wrong, that chapter began with a move of the Spirit. And in fact, uniquely amongst all of the New Testament, that is the only place where I can see, I can find, where the Spirit moves unilaterally and independent and without any interaction with human beings you see you hear a rushing mighty wind and they they heard the sound of it and then there's divided cloven tongues of fire the holy spirit was moving before acting in and through people but what was the first thing that the holy spirit wanted to do was to come upon and come into people that the people would move. And what's the first thing that the people did, the apostles and the disciples who were in that upper room, what's the first thing that they did after being filled with the Spirit, after manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit? They began to speak about Jesus to those who didn't yet have him. The Spirit moves so that we encounter heaven. We need to encounter heaven. And if that's where it ended, that alone would be amazing. And only by the Holy Spirit can we have that. The Spirit moves so that we encounter heaven, so that we move. And I may want to say so that the Holy Spirit moves through us. The Spirit moves so that we encounter and receive heaven and receive the Holy Spirit, so that we move by the Holy Spirit, so that others can encounter heaven, so that they move so that others encounter heaven go therefore and make disciples and it's a perpetual it's a perpetuation of what Jesus started coming down to today and so this is the idea is that the, is that this we if if you under if we understand what i just said clearly we need today this motion this momentum of the holy spirit in our own lives it's not like something that was relevant 2000 years ago and somehow theologians with all due respect have tried to because they don't experience the same thing we've tried to make a theology that fits our experience and i want to say when the scripture says something we should have our experience fit the theology the scripture is backwards forwards up and down all throughout the life of jesus all throughout the church is the the momentum and the power of the holy spirit we need the holy spirit Again, uh, not to be weird, this is not a Pentecostal thing, this is not a charismatic thing, this is a biblical Jesus, kingdom of God thing, and that's what we want, okay, so consider this, all creation begins with the move of the Spirit. This is how this is important, this is how important this is to God. Genesis. You don't have to turn there, but Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, I'm sure you've heard the scripture before. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. All creation begins with momentum from heaven by the Spirit upon the natural. And then we've got the beginning of the new creation that Jesus starts. And it begins not with Jesus but with Jesus becoming the Christ by means of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Jesus being the natural, fully man, becoming Christ when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he, it, well, he already was fully God, but the Holy Spirit manifests him as fully God. Make sense? I'll, I'll, again, you don't have to turn here either, but Luke three twenty one. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized And praying, the heaven was opened. That moment right there is where Jesus ends the phase of his life where he's a carpenter being trained to where he is separated to the call of his heavenly father to do his ministry. That baptism right there. What happens at that baptism? And the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove upon him. Would you agree that's the Holy Spirit moving? And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. He goes out into the wilderness. He's tempted. He fasts for 40 days. And at the end of that fast, Luke four fourteen, and Jesus, Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. The Spirit moves so that we encounter, so that we move. And even Jesus returned. He moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Creation started with the move of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of Jesus starts with the Holy Spirit. The church, as you just read next to, starts with the move of the Holy Spirit. And we've made Christianity into an intellectual thing. And it, and it certainly impacts our intellect, but let it be the spirit that renews our minds through revelation, not us trying to f- figure out God with our brain. God has called us to a life in the The Spirit, which, let me warn you now, will confront all of our pride. Because if we're going to yield to the Holy Spirit, it means we don't get to figure it out. We don't get to be in control. We live in relationship with a God that we don't see who nudges us and moves upon us and leads us and wants us to act on something we can't see and we can't guarantee. That's the life of the Spirit. Paul says in Romans, that, we, the, the, that uh, those who are led of the Spirit, these are the sons of God. It's our calling to be led of the Spirit. And so what is the move of the Holy Spirit? Or the movement or the motion? I've got three things. These are my own words. Uh, to be honest with you, trying to define what it is because I want us to have some kind of understanding, not such an easy thing but in my feeble attempt, I'm going to say three things that I think may kind of help hopefully shed some light on what is the move of the Holy Spirit. I think one thing is we could say it's heaven manifesting on earth where heaven is being sought. To me, that's what was happening in the upper room. We had 120 roughly people in an upper room praying, and they were clearly seeking heaven. They saw Jesus ascend. He's gone. He said to go into Jerusalem and Wait, and so well, I don't know what else to do. Let's pray. Let's seek Him. Let's pray. And as they saw it, there, Him, there was an agreement on earth with heaven. God found 120 people who wanted Him, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Third, another thing is the same. What is the move of the Holy Spirit? It's the same Spirit that was acting through Jesus, now acting through us. I mean, amazing, but not complicated. Hard to get our heart to actually believe that this can happen, and, it sh- and it, it's supposed to, but it's not complicated. It's actually very simple. Jesus had the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit did certain things through Jesus, still wants to do the same through his body. And another thing, d- uh, what is the move of the Holy Spirit? Divine momentum that carries us like a river to do what we cannot otherwise do. If you've ever been whitewater rafting, do you, do, do we whitewater raft up here in, in Michigan? Okay, I grew up in Atlanta, down south. That's where I grew up. Um, we have whitewater rafting down the Nantahala in, in North Carolina, at the foothills of the Appalachian Trails and Appalachian Mountains. And... and uh, Trust me, when you're going whitewater rafting, it is not you generating the momentum. You're on a raft and something else is carrying you. You're just navigating. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is. In fact, is referenced often in terms of water and river. There's a river, Ezekiel and Revelation says, coming from the throne of God into the nations of the earth. And so we're a part of that river. What happens when the Holy Spirit moves? I'd say three things. And, and in fact, I would say there's so many more things. This is so desperately sh- short of an exhaustive list. But three things that we'll just mention here is, one is that clearly the gifts of the Spirit manifest through those who are willing to step out into it, who are available, who are, who are open. So Acts 2.4, what we just read. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit is a river, a momentum like a river that enables us to do what we otherwise could not do. So the gifts of the Spirit are activated, and in fact, in the three occasions in the New in the book of Acts, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, all three occasions involve people receiving the Holy Spirit and immediately operating in spiritual gifts. Tongues, tongues and praying, tongues and prophesying, tongues and praise and tongues and prophesying. So, gifts of the Spirit are activated. The second thing is that we share Jesus boldly. Anybody ever struggled to share Jesus boldly before? And it's 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 okay if you feel uncomfortable. And let me, when I say this, I'm not saying that we need to share Jesus. Um, you know, confrontationally in your face kind of thing and cramming the, the Bible down people's throats. It should be with love. It should be with realness. It should be with humility. But we should still share Jesus boldly. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And as the Father sent him, he sends us. We share Jesus boldly. Where do I get this? Acts 2, verse 14. This rushing mighty wind happens. The gift of the Spirit is poured out. And what happens? Verse 14. But Peter... Standing up. The same Peter who had denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed, who was too afraid to even say he was a friend of Jesus, that same Peter stood up in front of thousands of strangers who were mocking and saying, You're full of wine and what is going on here. He stood up, and what did he do? He raised his voice and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made to you and heed my words. Do you follow what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit gives you boldness. I've had experiences where I've felt a nudge to say something, and I, you can have that little like palpitation, or maybe that's a bad word—the heartbeat. <laughs> I'm not talking about a—you don't—you okay? You don't have medical issues when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not a palpitation, that's a, <laughs> but you 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 can have that increased heartbeat, that nervousness, but you yeah, but you step out and you find yourself. You find that thing of heaven being upon, you sense that presence of God that gives you confidence and boldness to say something, and you've got love in your heart, and you've got conviction in your eyes. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit. It's it's something that I never experienced until these things, I made myself available to these things. Acts 4.31, two chapters later, after Peter and John are thrown into prison, they come back and the whole... This church of 3,000 people who have, are being added to daily, they get together and they pray because they, they, they're in the face of persecution. It says, Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They spoke the word of God with boldness. Can I clarify? That's not just talking about people called to preach who began speaking with boldness every believer was able to testify to their environment boldly what otherwise could bring about persecution and misunderstanding. and They just saw this one that they're testifying about hung on a cross. If I'm going to stand as witness of him, maybe that might happen to me. But somehow, these people had something happen inside of them that enabled them to speak the word of God, testify of Jesus boldly. And what's the third thing that happens when, we're, when the Spirit moves, when we allow ourselves to be in this divine flow, is that the church begins to look like heaven. We're, not, we're never going to fulfill our mandate of representing heaven to earth. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father, and we are now Jesus' body on the earth, meaning that we are to represent, just as Jesus represented the Father, we represent Jesus, who represented the Father. And, and now, instead of one body in the, in the person of Jesus, we are many bodies who fit together and become a temple of the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. And that it's a community that together looks like heaven. Which is a community, by the way. That's always what the heart of God has been about. Community. Relationship. But a relationship that isn't just everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. A relationship that's built around the order and design of the one who made it. Trusting in him. Being loved by him and loving him. And looking like him. You know, that's what the church is supposed to be. Not just a Sunday morning thing that we can get a bunch of people to come listen to the awesome preacher I'm, I'm being for real most church especially in this nation builds that way it's attractional to try to get people amazed by a preacher and that's what we build. I, I want to dare say at some point that's not going to be enough people want to be a part of a community that has Jesus in it Holy Spirit in it and that looks like heaven well, that's, that's what we're called to do. How do, We need the Holy Spirit for that to happen. And let's read this descriptor of what the early church looked like. After this move of the Holy Spirit, the result was Acts 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I think they, that means they honored, they hung on the word of God. Not the words of the anointed preacher. You know what I'm saying? What God was speaking through the preacher. Okay. Okay. And fellowship and the breaking of bread. What is that talking about? Loving community and relationship. We weren't just clocking in, going to Sunday, and then we, we'll see you next week. No, we're eating meals together. We're getting intimate. We're being known and, and knowing each other. And in prayers, there was a communal dependence upon God. Uh, as a side note, I've got a good friend who also leads a wonderful church in the, in the region, Mike Ely. He went to Uganda to study some stuff that God was is doing through this church in Uganda it grew from like 2,000 to 50,000, and in like month and there's all these young people rising up and, and into leadership, and there's just like this amazing community. Like they, they sowed. He didn't even go, he didn't even speak at this church. He just went there to study them, and they blessed him with thousand dollars to go back to his church in Oakland County, Michigan. You know, like, as, as, as though, you know, Uganda should be finance, financially resourcing Oakland County, but, but just the honor. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, Mike, what did you get from your experience? What things did you learn? He said, dude, these guys are so dependent upon God. They all, 50,000, they're all, there's a culture of they get up at 5 in the morning to pray together to seek him every day. And I thought, okay, are, are, do we want God? Or do we want God to fit into our agenda? They've turned that whole thing around. And so, I, you know, what are they doing in the early church here? It says they continued steadfastly in prayer. And then fear came upon every soul, the fear of God, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common. That speaks to me of unity and love. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. I would say that speaks of prioritization of being together in a fellowship. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. There was celebration and there was meals being shared. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That speaks to me of fruitfulness and multiplication. A church that looks like the heaven that is inside of them. A church looking outwardly like what, like the spirit that dwells inside of them. That is what we are called to do. That's what we're building. That's our aim. That's what, that's what we want, right? Anyone with me in that? Let's do what we do in church to aim at that target. And ultimately, that target is Jesus. Jesus manifest on the earth. And so finally, how do we participate in the move of the Spirit? There's a couple things that we could say. I'm not going to mention things like hunger. I'm not going to mention spiritual hunger. I'm not going to mention uh, a humble posture before God. I am mentioning them that I'm not going to elaborate. But one thing that I do just want to say is according to this passage of scripture that we just read, surely, how do we participate? Let it surely include, be based upon, united prayer. United prayer. Surely, that's th- this is a, a indicator from the scripture. Acts 1, verse 13. You can turn there with me if you want to. It says, when they had entered, this is the chapter before the... Um, chapter 2 that we just read and when they had entered they went into the upper room where they were staying the upper room is where this day of Pentecost happened where the Holy Spirit was poured out verse 14 and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers what was happening when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Pentecost, let's go over to the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. Reread these two verses. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in, in one place. What were they doing in the upper room together? Praying. They are praying together. They are praying together. In one accord, one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. We know a few things about this group of people in terms of what how they were posturing themselves when the holy spirit when they when they when they became vessels of the move of the holy spirit the one thing the first thing is that they were together they were together that alone is important it ain't much going to happen the other things that i'm going to mention the other two things i'm going to mention are don't don't have any relevance until we can first commit to that being together It says that they gave themselves steadfastly at the end of chapter 2 to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and praying. All four of those things happen being together. They were together, but secondly, they were together praying. How can we position ourselves to be a part of the move of the Holy Spirit? Let's be together. God wants to use a body. He doesn't want to just have a bunch of individualized children who say, I don't need the church. I don't want to be a part of, you know, and I'll just have my own thing with God. I don't want Peter to separate himself from my family and just have his own relationship with me and not mix with John David and be sick, right? And so we got to be together. And when we're together, we pray. Prayer has got to be a part of the equation. When we are together, there is something that happens when people agree on earth together with what the will of heaven is. It's an agreement with heaven and earth, with one another here on the earth, and it releases something. They were together praying, but they were also continuing in prayer. It wasn't a once-off, and uh, I'm kind of sick of this. You guys want to do something else? I don't know. Let's go play, let's go play, what's that game? Toss that bag, cornhole. (laughs) Let's go play cornhole. No, they continued. Nothing was happening. They're in the upper room. Day one goes by. Day two goes by. Fifty days. they They were doing this thing. I mean, not all 50 were they in the upper room, but you follow what I'm saying? Several days. Nothing going on. Crickets. They continued. And so we're not asking God to pour himself out like he did on Pentecost. Pentecost is done and dusted. Holy Spirit has been poured out. Holy Spirit is in you if you are a believer in Jesus. There's a momentum that started in that Acts chapter 2 that is in you if you've received Jesus. What we are doing today is saying, "Lord, I want to make myself available. I want to get into the river. I want to get out of your way. I want to allow you. I want to allow you to explode my faith and my belief so that I can trust with you and believe with you and, and act in according to you and allow you to do. And if you say turn left, I turn left. And if you say turn right, I turn right. And so on and so forth. I want to be led and empowered by you. Naturally supernatural. And supernaturally natural. Now, I believe part of the move of the Holy Spirit is we're going to be cleaning our bathrooms and mowing our grass. And we're going to go to work. And we're going to have normal conversations with people. You don't you don't get weird. You follow what I'm saying? But Through it all, there's a river inside of you. There's a Holy Spirit who wants to be present with you, who wants to lead you to do the things that he wants to do if only he has somebody who would obey him and do it. That's what he wants.